Good morning. My name is Andrew McFall, and I serve, I've served as an elder, as a Sunday school teacher, and with Palms Men here in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. God of mercy, you are full of tenderness and compassion, slow to anger, rich in mercy, and always ready to forgive. Grant us grace to renounce all evil and to cling to Christ, that in every way we may prove to be your loving children. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised and praised to the glory of God.
please stand for a call to worship. The Lord has been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, before the earth and the world has been formed, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord is God. Come, let us worship God. The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in Christ, we dare to approach God with confidence. So therefore, let us admit and confess our sins before God. Merciful God, you made us in your image with a mind to know you and a and a will to serve you. But our knowledge is imperfect, our love constant, our obedience incomplete. Day by day, we fail to grow into your likeness, yet you are slow to be angry with your children. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, do not hold our sins against us, but in your tender love, forgive. 
Amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ, and Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Christ forgives us. So, friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. wonderful affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, <clears throat> maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. On this beautiful morning, let us just take a moment to greet and share love with our friends. Good morning. Good morning. Didn't think I'd get here, did you, huh? <laughs> I didn't set my alarm clock, that's my problem. No, it's, it was good to be over in the garden for a moment and it's nice to be here with you this morning and welcome to all of you who are with us today. We especially welcome our TV audience and we're grateful that we get the chance to be in people's homes throughout Sarasota County, a part of our outreach to our community. 
We would love for you to fill out the friendship pads and pass those toward the uh, other aisles, and that way you can note those folks who are sitting near you. We always uh, welcome you. If you happen to be coming to us from a far distance and are here for just a short while, we hope that you will consider this to be a part of your church family. We have uh, lots of great things that are going on in our life here at Church of the Palms. Coming up in a couple weeks, we will have our Easter egg hunt. And uh, this is actually one of the amazing outreaches to our community. Nothing like an Easter egg hunt to draw children from near and far. And if you'd like to help us out with that, please see people underneath the tree and they would be glad to take your name and uh, help uh, make, uh, give a little joy to a child who will be with us on that day. Crop Walk is coming up this coming Sunday. If you'd like to be a part of that as a walker or as a sponsor of those who are walking, also please see those folks who are underneath a tree taking up those signups. And uh, we're grateful that this afternoon in this sanctuary, the sanctuary will be full, completely full of people who will be uh, celebrating uh, through the Gloria Musicae and the Sarasota Orchestra's performance of Haydn's creation. And, uh, and the good news is the sanctuary will be full. The bad news is it's sold out. So if you were hoping to get a ticket underneath the tree, they are not available, unfortunately. So we are delighted, though. We've had such a great response to that and look forward to a great afternoon this afternoon. Next Sunday, big day. It's our Commitment Sunday for Open Palms. And uh, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, you've learned certainly about our uh, vision and our dream of uh, expanding our campus and oper uh, providing opportunity for more and more people to be a part of our ministry of building a large uh, recreational multi-purpose space uh, just south of the sanctuary, as well as taking care of some deferred maintenance items and some mission partner needs. We're delighted that we'll have this chance and we will be receiving pledge cards next Sunday. There will be two cards you'll be uh, asked to bring forward and actually we're gonna be coming forward as a part of our service next Sunday to make our commitments. First, the white card, which is our stewardship annual stewardship campaign commitment card that we would invite you to be thinking as first priority and all that we do is the ongoing ministry of our church. And then also many of you received as well in the mail a green open palms campaign commitment card, which you'll use to uh, also make your commitment to the future of our congregation. So all that's gonna be happening next Sunday, Commitment Sunday, as we bring forward the great gifts that God has given us as we look forward to what God is gonna be doing in the future. Andrew McFall, who is the chair of our campaign, Open Palms campaign, is gonna share with us a little bit about uh, his perspective on things and we'll be introducing Linda Getson as well. So come on up, Andrew. Thanks, Steve. My name is Andrew McFall, again, from this morning, and I'm honored to serve as a director of the Open Palms campaign. Uh, last spring, Steve called me, and he asked if I would meet him at one of his most treasured places, Starbucks. <laughs> and I knew if it, we were meeting at Starbucks, it must be important. Um, Steve shared a vision of a campaign that was going to not only um, expand our campus, but more importantly, to reach out to people, new people in our community. I can honestly say um, I'm in a very busy phase of life. As you know, I'm married, have three boys, working full-time, traveling, coaching, volunteering, different capacities. Um, but when Steve shared this vision, I knew this was important. And frankly, I was very grateful for the opportunity to be a part of it. 
Church of the Palms is a very special place for our family. Um, it's a safe place. It's a place where people genuinely care about one another and a place where we grow in our Christian faith. In today's world, most people don't go to church on Sunday morning in a beautiful sanctuary like this. The new Palm Center becomes a door to our community to welcome people to our loving church family. We've seen these amazing videos each Sunday about how our church is impacting the lives of other people. And really, it's about the relationships. It's about impacting lives. Now, I want you to fast forward for about five years. And say you're watching the next group of videos. I'm very confident that those videos will include people sharing their faith that for the first time came through those doors of Palm Center. It's part of our local ministry, and it's part of our mission. But I also want to highlight that this is for all of us. It's for the ECC kids who are here every day learning and growing. It's for youth and families to learn life lessons through sports, through group activities, and frankly, to invite other youth to youth group. It's for the greatest generation to walk, to exercise, to attend dinners and large group activities that for the first time we could accommodate our whole church family. And frankly, it's for people we haven't even met yet to be a door onto our campus in our church life. I don't know exactly who those people will be, but God knows. He has a special plan for our church family, and this is our time to take the next step. What excites me is that the light of Christ will be emanating from here, right here in our sanctuary, and from the new Palm Center for generations to come. And here, we need your help. Uh, there is great enthusiasm, great excitement for this campaign, but really it takes all of us to make this happen. My family has turned in our cards, including specific contributions from all five of us. And I hope you'll join us in the exciting moment, in this exciting moment in the life of our church. Remember, it's not simply an investment, but it's an, it's an investment in a generation. It's not investment in buildings only, but it's an investment in the generation of, build of uh, Christ followers. As my friend Alan Walworth says of this opportunity, it's about the joy of giving. It's not something we want from you. It's something we want for you. So thank you for your prayers and support, and may God bless you. And I'd like to now introduce uh, Linda Getson, who has a special perspective on Church of the Palms and how it's evolved. So. Ooh, it's kind of scary up here. <laughs> I've been up here so many times, and I, I know so many of you, but this is, this is something very special for me, so I'm going to see if I can get through it. If I start doing this, I get a little teary sometimes. Um, I've heard uh, Pastor Steve refer to Church of the Palms as an incubator. You know, that's that little place where baby chicks grow up. And I thought, you know, that's really true. This is Church of the Palms is a place that's very warm and safe, like Andrew says, and this is where kids start their lives, our confirmation class, and this is also where the rest of us continue our lives with God. 
And I was really incubated at Church of the Palms. I was born in 1957, the same year that our church started at the funeral home down the road with 168 members. And Church of the Palms started as a mission church, and it always has been a mission church. And from the beginning, it extended its outreach into our community, especially for children and families. I went to preschool here in 1962, and I wasn't even the first class to attend Church of the Palms Preschool. At that, that time, the chapel over there was the sanctuary. There were three classrooms where this church is right now, and the fellowship tree was our playground. We had a tire swing that hung from that tree that we're all so very proud of. Uh, and my Girl Scout troop met in what is now the music room. Church of the Palms continued to grow into the 1970s, and a new sanctuary was built. But not this building. That was now our campus center. And in that building, I sang in the children's choir. I was confirmed in 1972. And I was ordained as an elder in that building in 1988. So in fits and starts, I continued to incubate it here at Church of the Palms. And as you know, other building projects followed. Our present sanctuary was built almost a quarter of a century ago. And here we are. So now I serve as the clerk to the session, and I'm still incubating. I think back, Alice Henderson, I don't know if any of you very old timers remember Alice, but she was the clerk of the session when I was young, and I thought she was so old. And now I have her job. <laughs> but, but the outreach and the uh, growth of Church of the Palms in the community, it just didn't happen overnight. This is sometimes a very unsteady process that we've gone through, trying to discern what God's plan is for our community. And so over the last 59 years, all of the congregations have been very steadfast in giving their time and their talent and their treasure to Church of the Palms. We want to have Church of the Palms continue to incubate. We continue to equip disciples for the service of Christ. We're opening our doors to the community and out into the world. And this is who we are. This is Church of the Palms. And I can't believe that God is done with us yet. It would be horrible if he was just satisfied with the way that we are sitting here. He always has plans for Church of the Palms to invite more souls into our little incubator. So I was very happy when I was asked to be part of the Open Palms campaign, and I was really happy that Church of the Palms was growing again. And like Andrew, I was asked to give my pledge early, and so I really had to figure out what God wanted me to do. So how did I know what to give? And it's not something that you can Google. If any of you know me, I'm a big Googler. I will try to find anything. But I had a few things in my head. I said, first, this is not an ordinary gift. This is a gift back to God of a portion of what he's been so generous to give to me. And I decided this gift had to be very meaningful to me. What it meant was that this had to be a gift that I would remember for the rest of my life. So I started out with that chart that everybody's been given with the number in my head. And I picked a number and I said, oh, that's very comfortable. I can do that. And then I realized I didn't feel anything more but being comfortable. I was just too comfortable. It would be just another check that I wrote to a very nice charity like the Red Cross or the Girl Scouts. I knew I would not remember too much about that gift 10 years from now. I felt like I was being nudged by God to do something more with what he'd given me. So I considered a larger amount. And that gift made me feel a little uncomfortable, but that was all that I felt. 
So I realized this just couldn't be what was, this was it. So after more pondering, and I had a lot of discussions with God in my car. For some reason, we do well talking to each other when I'm driving. And I made a decision, and frankly, I have not ever given a gift like this before. It gives me a little sweaty palms, and when I turned in my pledge card, though, it really became a reality. And that nervousness and that thumping in my heart actually became a very warm spot. I could feel it. And this is when I knew that I was doing and hearing what God was telling me. So when you make your decision, you may make your decision very differently than I do, but I encourage you to stretch yourself, hear what God is saying to you, do what he asks of you, maybe be a little afraid, but don't be afraid, and then wait for that warm feeling of joy to come into your heart, and it will feed your soul. Thank you. We're grateful for the work that uh, the Open Palms Campaign Group has put toward this effort, and we have, as Linda mentioned, uh, asked a small percentage of our congregation, of our families, to consider making an advanced commitment to uh, this effort, and the good news is, is, as we make our way to that $6 million goal, that we have received over $2.6 million in just uh, that small advanced commitment effort, and we're very grateful for that. Uh, we've got a long ways to go, uh, and we're grateful that we'll have the opportunity next Sunday for the whole church family to come forward uh, to make their commitments so that we can imagine and dream and see what God is up to as we look forward to the future. So we look forward to next Sunday and for that big day in the life of our church. Let's continue our worship. Gracious God, you are the Lord of new beginnings. In the wisdom of Christ, you make all things new. Thank you that you so loved the world that you sent your only Son, whose birth dissolved the barrier between the divine and human, whose life broke down the dividing walls between friend and enemy, and whose death and resurrection crucified the stumbling block between life and life everlasting. We ask that in your love and mercy, you, you hear our cries for your help, that you would comfort all who are grieving the loss of precious ones. Give hope to those of us who are struggling for whatever reason, and that you help us to remember that we can indeed do all things in Christ. We pray for your continued blessing on our missions and ministries and on our Open Palms campaign as we seek to be your hands and feet in the world. Keep us in your steadfast faith and love, O God, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister with compassion. When violence seems to be the answer, help us to offer better questions. Where hate is the motivation, help us to offer preemptive love. When the world seems broken beyond repair, send us forth to mend in love. Make us agents of your transforming power and storytellers of your justice and peace so that all may share in the healing Christ brings. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us continue our worship with a presentation of our tithes and offerings. Church for Richie. 
Let us pray. Gracious God, we joyously place before you our tithes and offerings and ask that you multiply these gifts as you did the loaves and fishes so that many people will receive help to meet their needs and the gospel will be proclaimed throughout the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Lori. First step. That is awesome. Good morning. How are you guys? We had about 100 kids over in the garden, too, so I don't know what Miss Carol's going to do with all of you guys next, but um, that's her problem. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so we have this great message today where the religious leaders are trying to trick Jesus, and they said, hey, Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes? And Jesus said, well, take a look at one of your coins, and whose face is on that coin? And they go, well, it's King Caesar's. And Jesus says, well, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and give unto God what is God's. So I have this great example for you guys. So you know like the Easter egg hunt is on March 19th, and we need everybody to bring in plastic eggs and candy. And when they bring those into the church, do you think that they should give them to Santa Claus or to the Easter Bunny? Easter Bunny. Oh, it's a smart group. Easter Bunny. Give unto the Easter Bunny what belongs to the Easter Bunny, which, by the way, has nothing to do with Easter, but has a little bit to do with the Easter egg hunt. So, speaking of giving, remember how last week we talked about those three Ds, about how you could delete something like fast food and give that money, or you could delay something like that game that you wanted and give that money, or you could donate something like the boy that donated his baseball? I heard a story last week about a boy in our congregation who had a really cool baseball bat. And it's kind of the same thing. He said to his dad, he goes, I don't have any money, but I did look online and I can sell this bat for $70. Well, $70 is a lot of money for a kid. And his dad goes, well, that's cool. That's a great idea. He goes, but then what are you going to bat with? And he goes, well, you know what? I can just use one of the normal bats that the coach brings. And his dad goes, that's it. He's getting it. He's getting in his heart what we want this to be about. So I got to thinking, heard that story, and I thought, you know what? I don't think God really wants our baseballs. I don't think he wants our fast food bags. I don't even really think he wants our money. You know what I think he wants? I think he wants our hearts. Because when he gets our hearts, all that love in our hearts, it does something to our hands. Okay, I need you to make a really tight fist. Everybody can do this. It's an all play. Make a really tight fist. And you can say it under your breath or you can say it out loud. It's mine. Go ahead and do that. It's mine. Well done. Now, I want you to pause. And I want you to think about how much God loves you. And I want you to think about how the church is God's dwelling place. And I want you to think about how much God wants everybody to know him and to love him. And it starts to do something to your hands. Your hands change from a clenched, tight fist to an open palm. And with an open palm, you can help somebody up who has fallen. 
And you can high-five someone when they've done a great job. And you can pat someone on the back when they need encouragement. And you can hand a bag of groceries to a hungry neighbor. And my favorite, you can grab someone in a hug when they're really hurting and you can let them feel how much they love you. Guess what? There is someone in our congregation whose heart was full of so much of God's love that they are giving Open Palms $25,000 as a match to the first $25,000 that young families donate. See, God gets it. He knows it's all about the heart. He knows that it's all about that love because if we are walking around earth with open palms, ready to love, ready to serve, ready to give, that, my friends, is where the deep joy is. So when we pray today, let's pray with open palms, and you can close your eyes and bow your heads. Gracious God, we thank you for loving us so much, for blessing us so much. Lord, we ask that you help us to experience that great joy that comes in giving, in loving, and in serving others in your name. Amen. be seated. Our scripture this morning is from Mark chapter 12, beginning at the 13th verse. Again, as we continue in this journey through the ministry of Jesus found in the gospel of Mark, 
we listen in on this interesting exchange that we heard a little bit about during the children's message. Hear the word of God. Then they sent to Jesus some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. And they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one. You do not regard people with particularity, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one and then he said to them, whose head is this? Who's Whose title? They answered, the emperor's. And Jesus said to them, well, give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you would give to us once again your word. Allow these words to come to point to that word and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. If I were to ask you what the most performed musical in the history of American musical theater is, I can only imagine that you might guess shows like Phantom of the Opera, Cats, Les Miserables, Cabaret, Oliver, 42nd Street, or a host of other Broadway musicals. And with some of those, you would come close. But actually, the most performed musical in the history of musicals in America is a musical review entitled, The Wonderful World of Chemistry. <laughs> the Wonderful World of Chemistry. The Wonderful World of Chemistry was performed at the New York World's Fair in 1964. It was sponsored by the DuPont Chemical Company and was performed by several casts during each day and on average was performed 40 times a day on two parallel stages inside the DuPont exhibit over the course of the months of the New York World's Fair. Likely as a six-year-old, I saw it when I attended the World's Fair. I don't remember it. I do remember the Disney exhibit because it was It's a Small World, which captivated my six-year-old mind in a way that chemistry never could which explains 14 years later my C plus in high school chemistry. <laughs> the composer and writer of The Wonderful World of Chemistry was a man named Michael Brown. Michael Brown had made for himself a little niche in what was then called industrial musicals. In other words, he wrote music for corporations, and, and this was one of those examples. Well, Michael and his wife, Joy, lived in New York City and had two sons and kind of an adopted daughter. They had taken under their wing a young Southern girl who had moved to New York City from Alabama and was trying her hand at writing. 
didn't have two nickels to rub together and was paying the rent for her cold water apartment across town by working as a ticket agent at British Airways. Her writing desk was a plank of wood cut out from a door. The most she could claim for her writing was a couple of magazine articles. She dreamed someday of writing a novel. Well, the Christmas following the 17,000 performances of the wonderful world of chemistry, the Browns had the young writer over for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and inspired by the windfall that came with the success of the show, they decided to give the young writer a gift. It came in the form of a note in an envelope sitting on the Christmas tree. And the note said, you have one year off from your job to write whatever you please. Merry Christmas. They had decided to pay the young writer's expenses for a year so she could quit her job and give herself the chance to live into her dream of writing a novel. Given that chance, she spent the next year writing her story. The writer's name was Harper Lee and the novel To Kill a Mockingbird. It's impossible to know what went on in, in the mind of Michael and Joy Brown when it came to deciding to give the young, unproven, struggling writer what to give her for Christmas. But it doesn't take much to imagine that on the wings of success, albeit through the wonderful world of chemistry, they may have looked back and seen the road that had led them to that very point, and that somewhere likely along that road, there had been persons who had given them a chance, given them a break. And sometimes, you know, a break or a chance is as much as a person needs. It doesn't take much to imagine that young couple with two young kids, somewhat giddy with joy to think that they had the chance to give someone else the same kind of opportunity that maybe they had had. It's amazing to think what people can come up with when they think back to what has been given to them. It's amazing to think what they might come up with when they imagine what chance they might give to somebody else. Our five verses this morning tell us of a little exchange that takes place between Jesus and the religious leaders of the day. They have brought to him a question about taxes, and in particular, they're wanting to know, should a good Jew pay taxes to a heathen government? Caesar had imposed upon Palestine a heavy tax burden, and they wanted to know what position Jesus took on taxation. Should a good Jew pay taxes? At least that's what the surface question was, but the truth, as Mark tells us, is that they were just kind of trying to trip Jesus up. They're throwing him a question so that they can catch him saying maybe the wrong thing. One of those, you know, gotcha questions. You, you gotta watch out for those gotcha questions because usually they are a misdirect from the real issue. The issue's over here, but, oh, if I ask the gotcha question, well, then I can get him talking about something over here. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And for Jesus, he knows what the real issue is. He knows that the real issue is about what should we render? That's the old King James word that gets put into this text, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. Jesus knows the issue is about rendering. 
Jesus asks, of course, about what is the rendering on the coin, the rendering of Caesar, and so cleverly says, you know, the issue is about rendering, right? So render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render unto God the things that are God's. In other words, you have to give what you have to give to Caesar, and then, but then there's this bigger question. Maybe the question you really don't want to talk about, and that is, what rendering of God do you want to make to the world? What, what imprint of God do you want to make in the world? And, and like Jesus often does, he puts the question right back into their laps and says, you know what? Have some fun figuring that out. Render unto God the things that are God's and have yourself a ball trying to figure that one out. He leaves the canvas empty for you and me to figure out what our rendering is going to be. Be creative, he says. Let your mind take over and render unto God the things that are God's. Now, Jesus does this kind of thing over and over again. He always leaves us to fill in the blank. When he tells the lawyer the story of the Good Samaritan and then asks, well, who proved neighbor to the beaten man? The lawyer says, well, the Samaritan. And Jesus says, well, go and do likewise. He leaves it up to him to figure out how he's gonna love his neighbor. When Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and wants to know the secret to life and Jesus says, you must be born again of the spirit, he leaves it to the old guy to figure that one out. What would it mean for me to be born of the spirit? And when the disciples are huddled with Jesus before his ascension and they wanna know what's up next, Jesus tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit and you'll figure it out. You'll come up with your own rendering. Jesus, you see, does us the favor of not telling us exactly what we have to do with our lives and with our gifts. He doesn't tell us what we have to draw, doesn't give us a paint-by-number set. Jesus gives us the palette, the empty canvas, and says, let your life be a rendering. Fill the canvas with what you think bears the image of God. And that's where the joy is, right? When we get the blank canvas and God says, paint me a picture. Now what we're tempted to say, like those religious leaders of long ago, is well, you know, I, I've got the government to pay, I've got the mortgage to pay, I've got the club dues to pay, I have the retirement fund to pay, I've got the college bill to pay. And Jesus says, because Jesus loves us, he says, yeah, that's all true, but it might be a misdirect. You might be missing the point because joy comes when we leave ourselves free to render unto God the things that are God's. Can you imagine the joy that filled that young couple's souls when they came up with that crazy idea of paying a young woman's salary so she could just have a shot? at putting her little imprint on the world. And then to see what became of their risky bet. They didn't know that Atticus Finch was in the making. They didn't know that a Pulitzer Prize was in the offing. It wasn't the point. The point was in the wondering. 
the point was in the fun of allowing yourself to do a rendering. When I write my check out to support the work of Samaritan Counseling, the, the counseling center housed on our campus, I don't know what the result of that's going to be. It's just a bet, it's, it's a bet. It's a chance I'm taking to give someone else a chance. When I write a check to the food pantry, God didn't tell me what I was supposed to do. He just said, have some fun. Wonder what might happen as a result of what you've rendered. And when I make a church check out to Church of the Palms and wander around and see middle school kids running around the courtyard and elementary school kids getting tutored and grieving persons being cared for and preschool kids being taught and musicians singing and giving glory to God, I really don't know when I write that check what the end result's going to be. But to think of what the rendering is, to render what God might be seen in the world and the chance that might be given. Two years after taking me to the World's Fair, my daddy got a call to be the pastor of a church up in suburban Detroit. And so at age eight, I remember driving up to our new home, which was right across the street from where it would be our new church. And from our house, I could see the church building, and I could see that half of it was not yet completed. The congregation was undergoing a building expansion. They were building a new Sunday school and youth wing. That was where I would be going to Sunday school. It was where I would be taught by Miss Hyatt and Mrs. Ward and Mr. Milhouse. It's where I would go to church and go to youth fellowship. It's where I would get my life changed by the love and grace of youth directors like Joe Stone and Denny Davenport and Bob Keller and Gary McElroy. It's where the seeds of my call to ministry got planted inside that building. And it didn't dawn on me for a long time what really had happened. And what had happened was that a group of Presbyterians, not knowing me, because I hadn't arrived, had just dreamed, just imagined, that maybe there would be some eight-year-old, maybe a group of eight-year-olds that would wander in and need a chance to learn about God, to hear the stories of Jesus, to respond to God's grace, might someone, they imagined, need a chance like we've had? And so with empty canvas, they wondered what their rendering to God might be, what, what fun they could be about in creating a space for someone like me to discover God. How could they have known that that little eight-year-old snotty kid would discover God there? And more than that, for better or for worse, would imagine inside those walls that he might be called to be a pastor. They couldn't know that, but they imagined it. They imagined enough to start their little rendering, to take the chance that someone else might have a chance. And in giving that chance and building that building, how could they have known that it wouldn't be just one young man in that youth fellowship who received his call into the ministry, but there would be 12 of us, 12 who felt called into the ministry 
and into the mission field. Twelve who went to the four corners of the world because a little group of Presbyterians wondered and imagined and dreamed. Are you having fun? Are you having fun with your rendering? Are you having fun in thinking to whom you might be giving a chance? Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.